Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the sanitation podcast. My name's Pete. Last week's show with Guy covered a lot of ground and we spoke about so many different aspects of the industry that I can't move on without examining some of those threads in more detail. One of the biggest conversations I've had with Guy offline is about pricing and I would say that it's a subject that comes up in many of the industry groups and forums that I read online. Now there's no way I'm qualified or in a position to say how much individual PROs should be charging their customers and besides any attempt to collude to fix prices is actually illegal in many jurisdictions. But I've seen so many operators struggle with a number of issues or themes around pricing that I wanted to spend some time digging a bit deeper and sharing some of my experiences and ideas that may be familiar. Hopefully that will prompt more discussion and perhaps help you make better pricing decisions inside your own business. Now I'll start by asking how do you set your price? Do you have a fixed price list where customers can see exactly how much they can expect to pay for each toilet? Do you offer an all-inclusive price where one fixed price covers the cost of delivery, hire, cleaning, consumables like paper, blue and hand sanitizer, and the removal at the end of the job? Or do you itemise the invoice and charge the customer for every single item or action that you perform? Now, I'll stress that I'm not preaching and I don't favour one way or the other. Fixed pricing can be attractive for the buyer because they can set the budget and know exactly how much the portable toilet is going to cost them over the duration of the hire. And that's really attractive to house builders who might be working to a fixed price or looking to achieve a particular margin on their build. The downside for fixed pricing for the PRO is that they don't have the ability to charge more for any unexpected extras, unless of course they've included a separate clause written into their terms and conditions. On the other hand, itemised billing can be attractive because it lets the customer see exactly what they've paid for. The downside is that extra charges soon add up and a price-led customer might start to lose faith when you send what might be perceived as an inflated bill. Of course, the mode of charging doesn't do anything to help you set your actual price. How do you know how much to charge? Is there a secret formula? Well, one method is to compare your rates against other providers in your region. Now, you can do that by mystery shopping. Make a call, ask for a quote and see what they say. In Christchurch, with almost 20 operators, I know that happens all the time. You can make the calls yourself or get one of your team to do it. There are even companies who will make mystery phone calls on your behalf. One word of advice though, if you go all secret squirrel, make sure you withhold your number and that you have an email address that matches your mystery ID. The business development manager from a local competitor once rang me and asked for a quote. She didn't know that our office manager pre-programmed her phone number into our phones. I played along until the end and then said, thanks Michelle, do you want me to drop that off on my way home? And the line went dead straight away. A much better way for me is to be straight up, rock up in their yard, see them out on the road and ask them, how much do you charge? They might not tell you, but then again, if you build up a relationship, they probably will. Even in a congested market, there's room enough for operators to work side by side and it always pays to have friends. Now, whether you match their price, undercut them or aim higher is entirely a matter for you. Again, I'll stress I'm not encouraging anyone to fix prices or collude, but it's always good to know what other providers in town are offering. I'll qualify that by saying that I would absolutely resist the temptation to undercut the competition in an attempt to win business. It's just not sustainable. I've said many times over this series, it leads to poor returns for the PRO, poor service for the user, and it actually undermines the value of an essential service that's vital to public health. 
Knowing how much to charge is a matter of simple maths. You need to know two things. One, how much does it cost you to deliver a toilet to site, stock it, clean it, dispose of the waste, and then remove it at the end of the job? And two, how much margin or profit do you want to make from every job you do? That sounds really simple, and the numbers you need to calculate the answer should be readily available in the profit and loss sheet of your business. You might have those figures to hand, and you might not know how to read the accounts, but somebody somewhere will. If it's not you, and it's not the office manager, it should definitely be your accountant. And it's not a difficult process. Yes, it's complex, and yes, it will involve a large amount of data. But there's only one way to set a price that truly works. Now, I'm not saying that the figure you achieve is the price you have to charge. You might charge more. You may have to charge less. But if you're in business to make money, you absolutely need to know what every day of every hire costs you and your business. Now, that might be easier said than done, but you need to know exactly how much every action you perform is going to cost. Now, Guy Smith at Hireloo had done some really clever work and was able to calculate the cost of delivery, service and pickup down to the very last cent. His formula took into account the unique location and even the day and time of day of the job. Now, that's a really powerful tool because it will give you a ready reckoner when you set the price you charge your customer. And I reckon it's a game changer. Guy used some secret sauce to make it happen, but if I was going to calculate the costs in my business, I'd need to make sure I included absolutely everything, and I mean everything. The rent, lease or mortgage payments on the depot or yard, the costs of buying, leasing and maintaining trucks, costs of driving every mile, fuel, insurance, wages, supplies, uniform, training, computers, phones, depreciation, the list goes on and on. There's always something else you have to spend money on. Now, if you're already in business and you keep good records, you will have that data. Add up the total costs over a fixed period of time and divide it by, let's say, the number of toilets you had on hire, the number of days you put toilets on hire, or the number of services you performed. It doesn't matter which of those methods you use, the aim is to work out exactly how much you spent to complete every contract, action, or hire during that period of time. Now compare that to how much revenue or income you earned during the same period. Hopefully, you will have brought in more than you spent. Now I've heard industry experts say that a well-performing and well-run portable sanitation business should return a gross margin of 40%. And I've certainly seen those figures achieved and even exceeded. But it's not always possible. And I don't want any listeners to beat themselves up if their business isn't anywhere near as profitable as that. A lot depends on the age of your business and the stage of your investment. Startups typically face higher costs. Older businesses might suffer because they have to invest to upgrade or expand their fleet. And of course, everyone is always going to face those unexpected and unforeseen breakdowns or accidents that invariably cost more than you could ever imagine. All that aside, if your revenue is lower than your costs, you need to work out why. Is it a case that your prices are simply too low? And from there, you need to work out how can you increase revenue without damaging customer retention. Whatever their industry, no rational business owner would think they could increase their margins by simply raising their prices. One thing I've learned is that many portable sanitation customers are incredibly sensitive to price. They'll literally jump ship and change to another supplier to save a few dollars each week. One operator told me he received a phone call from an engineer on a multi-million dollar civil project. 
During the call, the engineer said that a rival toilet company had offered her toilets for $3 less a month than she was being charged. She literally had five toilets on the job. The saving was $15 a month. Now, it would have been easy to concede and agree to match that price, but honestly, it will have cost her more to make that phone call. And if she'd had the same conversation with her concrete supplier about reducing the cost of every cube of concrete, she might have saved tens of thousands of dollars. But somehow, toilets are an easy target. I'm always amazed at how portable toilet customers think they can dictate the terms and the prices they want to pay. And it seems the bigger the customer or the bigger the job, the worse that pressure to reduce prices seems to get. Not only do they want the cheapest possible price, but they often want to stretch out the interval between services and they want 60 or 90 days to pay their bill. This isn't just a problem here in New Zealand. I've had similar feedback from listeners in Australia, Europe and the United States. Somehow, some parts of the industry have allowed customers to dictate the price, and I'd like to challenge that. I'd like to change it. Sanitation is a specialist business. The bottom line is you can't build anything without adequate sanitation on site. And the escalation in cost when a project has shut down because there's been an outbreak of dysentery or E. coli are absolutely huge. Let's be honest, except the portable restroom operator, nobody else has got the equipment, the skills or the desire to clean toilets. Portable sanitation operators should not be the full guy or the poor cousins. When portable toilets are provided on a commercial basis, customers should be realistic and expect to pay a fair price for the service they receive. Sadly, that's not always the case. Before I get even more Jerry Maguire, I'd like to say there's always room to differentiate prices and consider favourable pricing for large-scale or long-term clients. Servicing 50 or 100 toilets for one customer will always provide a regular and reliable revenue stream, and you might choose to offer a discounted rate in return for the volume of work or the client's ongoing loyalty. But my advice would be to discount the hire, not the servicing, not the consumables and not the freight. And that's because those elements carry real direct costs. You have to pay to collect and dump the waste, so it makes sense to pass those charges on to the customer. If you own the toilets outright, you can discount the hire without incurring any direct real cost. But if you're paying a loan or a lease, that gets harder to do. Taking on more unprofitable work will only add to your overheads and won't do anything to increase your profit margin. Putting all of your eggs in one basket also carries an inherent risk if something goes wrong and you lose that work. Having one big customer return a third or half of your toilet fleet will leave you high and dry. And big firms do go into liquidation, they change suppliers or they pull the pin. Is it better to spread your risk among lots of smaller customers than to focus on one or two big clients who provide most of your work? Business theory says yes, because it's easier to sell to the same customer twice than it is to find two or more new clients. But that has to be balanced against the risk you'll face if it all goes wrong and the price those bigger clients are willing to pay. Pulling the price lever and charging much less than other local suppliers is a technique often used by startups and companies in decline that are seeking to bolster their figures. But it offers false hope. You wouldn't go around handing out cash, but that's effectively what you do when you lower your price. It also sends a very powerful and negative message to clients about how you perceive the value of your work. In my experience, operators will never recover once they let people believe they don't value their own services. And in a post-COVID economy, sanitation is king, so why would you even do that? 
proper sanitation is no longer an optional or negotiable requirement. It's not a convenience and it's not free. Companies have no option but to provide adequate and properly clean sanitation. And that should mean that portable restroom operators are enjoying a golden age. When I started to plan this episode, I wanted to answer two questions. How much should you be charging and how do you know you're charging the right price? I've covered a lot of ground today, but I don't know if I've given any firm answers. And I haven't even mentioned the opportunities to charge higher prices for one-off, short-term and event-based rentals. Hopefully what I have said will give you lots to consider, and I'd love to hear what you think. There's always room for guests to appear on the show, so please get in touch if you can add to the discussion, have a different approach, or you want to challenge anything I've shared. As I wrap up this episode, I'll ask everyone once again to please tell at least one family member, colleague, friend or stranger about Get Flushed and encourage them to listen in. And visit our Patreon page, where for a small monthly donation, you can gain early access to every episode and unlock bonus features that are not available elsewhere. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash get flushed. Once again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you for your time. I've been Pete, and you've been listening to Get Flushed. (laughs) 